Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Roy, the Lord our shepherd. And Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner or protector. Those are the four names of God that we've covered so far this summer as we discover just the deeper meanings and deeper understanding of who God is and how we interact with God, I think you would probably agree with me that we need a God who will provide. And we need a God of peace. And we need a God who will shepherd. And we need a God who will be our banner, our protector. And more and more as we see what's going, in, going on in our culture, in, in our country, and in other countries, more and more we need God. Do you agree with that? We need God. Today's name for God comes from Exodus 15. Turn your Bibles to Exodus 15 with me as we learn about God the healer. Learn about God the healer and today maybe you're here and you need a word about healing. Maybe you're dealing with a physical ailment or ailments. Maybe you're dealing with a spiritual problem or challenge. Maybe you're dealing with a marriage problem or a a child-rearing problem or a problem at work, and you're like, I could really use some healing in this area of my life. I pray that today you understand and you grab onto some biblical truths about God, our healer. Let me set up Exodus 15 as you turn there. God had miraculously and supernaturally led His people who had been enslaved in Egypt away from that, and rescues them. You probably recall the account in Scripture where Moses leads the Israelites, and uh, he's, they're being pursued and chased by the Egyptians. And as they're being pursued and chased, they come upon the Red Sea, and the Israelites begin to say, oh, what now? You've led us out of slavery into now this place where we're trapped by the Red Sea to have our lives be taken away. And God guides Moses to stick his staff in the ground. You've probably seen the movie. I don't know if it happens exactly like the movie portray. They actually put their creative spin on the situation. But however it happens, sticks the staff in the ground and the, the, the seas part and the ground dries and the Egyptians go marching across, or the Israelites go marching across the, the floor of the sea. And they march across and march across and they get to the other side, and by the time they get to the other side, as they're looking back, they're being pursued by the Egyptian army. They see the horses and the chariots and the, and the warriors who are coming with swords pursuing them. And I'm sure in their mind they're thinking, oh my goodness, now they're coming across where we thought maybe we were getting away from, and now they're going to get us on the other side. And you know what happens once all the Israelites get to the other side and they're standing on dry, safe ground. God says, time for the waters to go back. They close with the Egyptian army in the middle, and they're destroyed. The whole army's taken out, and God protects the Israelites. I could imagine. Could you imagine the celebration in that moment? I mean, could you imagine the high-fiving and the shaking the hands and the hugs that are going on and the screaming and the cheering? Like, we're, we're rescued, and they're gone, and they can never come after us again. And they celebrate this. If, Exodus 15 is the celebration. Verse 1 says, Then Moses, now they're on the other side of the, of the water, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for He 
is highly exalted. The horse and his rider, he has hurled into the sea. I mean, they're singing a song of celebration. It's one reason why we worship in song. We worship in song. It's an act of celebrating. It's an act of telling God, God, we love you. God, we, we honor you. And so they're, they're having a great time. Verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. I mean, they're going back to not just my God. They're thinking my father's God and maybe even my grandpa's God. And Look how good God is. Have you ever noticed how when things are going really good, you're like, oh God, you are so good. Oh God, you are so wonderful. And you start thinking about God. And many times we do that. We celebrate God when things are going really well. Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. I love that description of God. Too many times I think people think of Christianity as a bunch of wimps who are relying upon a wimpy God. Our God is a warrior. What a description. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. And so they're singing this out and just shouting the praises of God of how good and how great God is because He's rescued them and protected them. Jump down to verse 11. And he says, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you? Uh, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. I mean, they're just celebrating. I would love to know the tune they played that to. You can make up your own tune. People have done that off of this text. They make their own tune and put this to, to music just to sing and celebrate. Verse 20 says, Then Miriam, and the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand. Took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Have you ever been in a worship service where the tambourine players get going? You guys ever done that? Who's done that? Raise your hand. Join me. You ever notice? It's not quiet. It's okay, in other words. I look at this text and go, man, they celebrated God with tambourines. And it doesn't just say one. I mean, they started getting the music going. They started rocking it out. I think it was the first rock and roll church service. And so it's okay to have keyboards and drums and all that kind of stuff because they did it in the Old Testament because they were celebrating God and they were having a great time worshiping. And so it's okay to rock it out and, and enjoy God. Now, things get really interesting from here in the text. So they get on the other side of the sea. Everything is great. Let's celebrate. Let's sing. Let's worship. Let's have a party. And then verse 22, when then Moses led the Israel from Red Sea and they went to the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Wait a minute, Moses. We've been enslaved. We've been chased. We have now are safe. And now you're leading us to a desert. How long did it take for them to stop celebrating to now start complaining? Three days. God, you are so good and you're so majestic and you're so wonderful. Wait a minute, God, why'd you bring us out to this desert? All I see is rock and sand and there's no water. And we've been searching for water for three days and there's none of that around here. God, who are you and why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing me in this situation? God, why, 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 why? I can imagine they're grumbling and complaining. Verse 23, when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why they called the place Mara. Oh, so now God, you're going to play a dirty trick on us. 
You're going to bring us to this water that's not fresh water, it's this bitter water that tastes terrible. I can imagine a first person taking a sip of it going, oh my goodness, don't taste that. It's horrible. It hasn't been filtered. It's no good. Now, God, not only have we been wandering, you put water before us. Are you teasing us? Are you putting us through misery? Why are you doing this to us, God? So the people grumbled, verse 24. The people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Verse 25, then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. That's crazy. Wait a minute. Moses, that piece of wood right over there, just throw that in the water. That's a miracle. How quickly do we go from being humbly grateful to grumbly hateful? I mean, that's what they went. They went from being humbly grateful, this is great, to be grumbly hateful. God, why are you doing this to us? And now three days later, they find water that's bitter, and God's like, I got it all under control, don't worry. Moses, pick up that piece of wood and just throw it in there. Have you ever noticed how you throw a piece of wood, it makes your water taste good? We've never seen that. They never saw that. They didn't experience that. But now they are. They're experiencing it. Verse 25, God showed Moses a log laying nearby to put a miracle in here. Now look at verse 26. He said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. That's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer in Hebrew. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. Verse 27, after God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, he leads them to Elam. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs. That would be 12 springs of fresh purified water right from the ground and 70 palm trees sounds like maybe going to hawaii or something beautiful like that where you're just going to now relax and kick back and enjoy the environment and enjoy all that i provided for you and they camp there near the water i don't know what their camping was like probably not the same kind of campers we have today but i'm sure it was beautiful to be in that land and to be in that area and to be in that spot to go oh my goodness we've gone from being slaves to being chased to celebrating, to being in a desert, to now God provides us water, and now we're in a beautiful, lush vacation spot. I think there's some lessons for us to learn from this text today about God being our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Lesson one is this, the only way to the promised land is to go through the wilderness. Some of you might be in a wilderness right now. Your wilderness might be a health challenge. Your wilderness might be a marriage challenge. Your wilderness might be a job challenge. Your wilderness might be something that you've been in for some time. I'm not sure what your wilderness, but God led them to the wilderness of sure. And when you find yourself under wilderness, you'll discover nothing is sure but God, if you'll hold on to Him. In order to make it through wilderness times, we've got to look and hold on to God. The Israelites had to go through Mara before they got to Elam. They had to go through being enslaved. They had to go through being chased. They had to go through the Red Sea before they ever arrived at Elam where God took them to this lush vacation spot for that time. They had to face the test of Mara before they could have the feast of Elam. They discovered Elam once they discovered Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. Lesson number two is this, some people erroneously believe that God will never give us more than we can handle. 
And I imagine maybe you've said that statement or I've said that statement. Well, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's not exactly a true statement or a biblical statement. Second Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life. I mean, Paul was in a spot when he said, I want to give up. That's where Paul was at, and he's writing about it. It was so horrible. He's like, so if you start believing that God will never give you nothing more than you can handle, Paul was at a point saying, we're despairing of life, saying, we're ready to be done. And of course, some would say, no, hold on a minute, preacher. 1 Corinthians tells us that there's no temptation. And it does. And 1 Corinthians 10 says, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The two verses don't go together because you won't be tempted beyond your ability. In other words, you will be tested in life, but in temptation, God will always provide a way out. If you stop and think about a temptation you're dealing with even maybe right now today, something you've been battling as of late, if you stop and think about that temptation, you can stop and think, God, what's the way out? He'll provide and he'll show you some ways out challenge for us is are we willing to take them are we willing to go down that road and so being tested and being tempted are two different things uh the test that comes the test of life that's going to come because we live in this world and sometimes for some other reason second corinthians chapter one paul says indeed we felt that we had to receive the sentence of death but that was to make us rely on not on ourselves but on god who raises the dead. So Paul comes back and says, listen, we are at a point of so much despair that we wanted to give up, that we wanted to throw in the towel. And Paul says, but we know Jehovah Rapha is the healer, and so sometimes when you're going through a test, it's because God's allowing you to walk through it so that you know, grab onto God. And don't grab on anything else. He goes on and says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. Number three, the promise of healing in our text was limited to Israel and the timing of the Exodus. And this one text is dealing with that. Verse 26, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. The promise that God is Jehovah Rapha isn't a blank check guaranteeing followers of Jesus will never get sick or die. I want to address that a little bit because in our world today, we have some extreme teaching out there in theology that I think is way off base and it's not scriptural. And sometimes I hear it in conversations on one-on-one. -on -one. one extreme is this, is that God heals everyone. And if you pray about it enough and you pray hard enough, He'll heal everyone. And if He's not healing you, then there's got to be sin in your life. If you stop and look at the book of Job... Job's friends kind of went through that. Job's friends said, wait a minute, Job, you're going through all these trials and challenges, losing your family, losing your business, and losing everything. There's got to be some kind of sin going on in your life. And Job said, there's not sin. And so that is on one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum is that, well, God really doesn't heal anymore. You can pray about it, but he's really not healing anymore because God's done his healing work, and now we're just where we are, and we just live with it. And so people live on two different spectrums many times, is that God will, if he's not healing you, then it's your fault because you're sinning, or God's just not doing that anymore. Let me consider some questions with you. Does God heal everyone? My answer to that question is no. He doesn't heal everyone. John 5, 1 through 9, at the pool of Bethsaida, there were multitudes of invalids there, blind, lame, paralyzed. Jesus picks one man out of the crowd. 
He could have said, hey, I'm Jesus, every single one of you. Boom, you're all healed. Why did he just pick one? I'm not sure why, but that's what he did. He chose one. 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah, in the midst of a great famine, one widow was supernaturally helped, but all the other widows, I'm sorry. But one was supernaturally helped. 2 Kings chapter 5, Elisha, Elijah's successor, lived in a land of lepers, yet God heals one Naaman. He didn't heal all the lepers. He could have said, every single one of you, boom, leprosy's gone. He chose one to heal. 2 Timothy 4.20, Paul left Triophis sick at Miletus. I mean, Paul had a successful ministry. He lived a life that was separated from the world. He lived a life where he honored God. He had faith. He was an apostle. What happened that he would leave one of the loved ones sick? Why do you not heal him? See, to say that God heals everyone all the time, and if you don't get healed, you've got a sin in your life, is unscriptural. And if someone has told you that, you need to tell them that's not in the Bible. Because I've just shared with you very quickly some examples where one is healed and some are left. And they're not healed. See, you can name it and claim it. You can blab it and grab it. You can dance and prance until you have blisters the size of watermelons on the bottom of your feet, but you're not going to get God to function by your faith formula. It's not going to happen. See, God does what God wants to do when God wants to do it, and we can't hurry him up. We can't worry him. We can't hinder him. As a matter of fact, we can't help him because God is sovereign. I mean, he has it all in his hands. He has it all in his control, and we have to put our trust in him and say, God, you're sovereign. Consider another question with you about healing. Is God out of the healing business? No. Absolutely not. 60 times in the Old Testament, God introduces himself as Jehovah Rapha, the healer. In his first public appearance, Jesus said he is a healer. He went to the synagogue where he read from Isaiah 61.1 and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus closed the book and sat down and said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in you hearing. See, sometimes we're always looking for that physical healing. Some say the era of miracle and healing is over. But Jesus, he healed in Bible times. And some of you have been through maybe personal healing where you know you've been sick and you've been battling something. You're like, I was sick and now I'm well. And so you know that's not true. Where does it ever say that? Jesus only healed in Bible times. It stops. I don't think it says that. Matter of fact, Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means if he healed the woman at the pool of Bethsaida, he can do that right here in Lexington, Kentucky, if God so chooses to do that. How did Jesus heal? He healed some people by a touch. He healed it by a spoken word, just speaking, now you're healed. He, he healed the afflicted who touched his robe. You remember a lady who was bleeding, just reached out and touched his robe, and she was healed. He healed by spitting on the ground, making mud, and putting it on somebody's eyes, and all of a sudden, they're, they're no longer blind. He healed an abstentia. A centurion slave was healed, healed back at home, and the centurion asked Jesus to say the word. He wasn't even near, near the person, and that person was healed. We also know Jesus never went out of the way to, get, to avoid public uh, approval or reward for healing miracles. He never sought fame and fortune 
through his healings. He, he never performed miracles uh, indiscriminately. He did not always heal everyone who needed healing. But he also didn't have his disciples going around in a crowd and picking certain ones. You know, you pick that person, that person, that person. Let's make a show of it. And let's throw it on TV. And let's make money off of it. And let's make everyone think that if you give me money, then I'll heal you. He didn't do that either. Number three, is God the source of all of our sickness? Again, I say no. He's not the source. See, in our text, he clearly said he was the source of the Egyptian sickness. He said, I'll put none of the disease on you that I put on them, on the Egyptians. He told the Israelites, he's telling the Israelites, listen, I put their challenges on them. I made their life difficult. Sometimes, as with the Egyptians, God is the source. Sometimes not. I think there's three basic sources of our sickness. And if we're struggling with wanting healing, we've got to look at these three areas. One is sin. Sometimes we're dealing with stuff, sickness, difficulty because of sin. David said that in Psalm 38.3. He said, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of, he called it, he said, my sin. Sometimes our sin causes us to worry and causes us to stress and causes us to be overwhelmed. It makes us physically sick. It's a good time to stop and think for a moment and say, what am I dealing with? A sickness? Is it because of my sin? It might be. It might not be. Sometimes, source of our sickness is, if I may say, is our own stupidity. Sometimes we think, well, I'll get better eating donuts and ice cream and milkshakes and I'll get real healthy. I, I got to tell you, you can't eat the wrong things and do the wrong things and expect to have right results. It's just not going to happen. And sometimes we're unhealthy and we have heart disease because of the way we eat, or we're unhealthy and have lung disease because we're smokers or we're dealing with whatever kind of problem we have. You cannot be an Olympic champion and eat at all the all-you-eat-can buffet every single day. It's not going to happen. Sometimes we look at God and say, God, why me? Why am I feeling this way? Why can't you heal me? And God's going, well, you're being kind of stupid because you're not following good health behaviors and just the way you're treating your body. And then sometimes, sovereignty. Sometimes because God is just in control and sometimes he allows or may put upon us challenge of sickness. John 9 says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this man that... It was not this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in his life. Sometimes you might be walking through some stuff that God's allowed you to walk through, a sickness, because God wants his work to be displayed through your life, through the challenge that you're facing. And as you face that, if you face it with faith instead of fear, as you, as you face it with, with trust instead of a whole bunch of questions, and you say, don't quite understand all of it, you can change other people's lives. Joni Erickson Tata has lived the majority of her life paralyzed, completely dependent upon others. You probably maybe heard of her story. Here's what Joni said. She said, certainly God can. She was injured in an accident diving in a pool as a child. Certainly God can and sometimes does heal people in a miraculous way today, but the Bible does not teach that he will always heal those who come to him in faith. He sovereignly reserves the right to heal or not heal as he sees fit. 
I can speak to that very personally because when I was 12 years old, my uncle fell off the front porch and was paralyzed from neck down. He had a drinking problem, a major drinking problem. We assume he was probably drunk when he was moving a piece of furniture and fell off the front porch or had one too many beers. And he lived for the next 22 years as a paraplegic. And I remember as a 12-year-old going and visiting him in a hospital several times a week and going up to the paraplegic wing of the hospital and walking by and starting to visit different paraplegics with my dad and my, and my uncle and my mom. And I think God used that in my life to be able to make hospital visits in ministry today. I never knew that when I was 12 years old. I don't know if my uncle, continuing his drinking lifestyle, would have ever changed until he was flat on his back and said, my life's been messed up. And I've lived a bad way and one time then confessed Jesus as his Savior. And I don't think it would ever happen when he was still drinking his life away. It's not the sickness we wanted. We prayed for healing continually. But it's amazing how God still worked in the middle of terrible situations. Tim Hansel said, I have prayed hundreds, if not thousands of times, for the Lord to heal me. And he finally healed me of the need to be healed finally healed me of the need to be healed. Sometimes we have an affliction that we deal with, and it's just us saying, i got to put my trust in God. Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what that thorn is. We have a, all kinds of guesses, and there's all kinds of jokes made about that. He had a thorn in his flesh. I think the thorn was for him to know, you still need me, God. you got to trust in me. Sometimes what we're walking through might be that thing to say, I don't understand it. I want healing, but God, you are sovereign. That means he's totally in charge. He has everything in control and that we put that trust in that to say God's sovereign and I'm not. God knows everything going on. He knows why it's going on. He knows what's happening and he's sovereign. I put my trust in him. And that's what Tim Hansel learned to say, you know what? God healed me of the need to be healed. There's a fourth lesson we learn, and it's this. You can get yourself in a position where God can heal you if he wills to do so. Exodus 15, 26, if you listen, if you do what is right, if you pay attention, you, you hear the ifs? If you listen, if you do what is right, if you pay attention to my commands, if you keep all my decrees, then you will discover I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. See, people want to live like the devil and then run to God when they get in a crisis and say, God, heal me. And I don't know how much God even wants to turn an ear to that prayer when I look at Scripture. Because he's saying, listen to me. Do what I'm guiding you to do. Follow my decrees. Follow my statutes. Follow my precepts. Follow my commands. And as you do that, then you discover healing. See, I don't think God's even listening. Tony Evans says it this way. He says, here's the lesson I want to teach from Mara. If you will follow my instructions, I'll heal your bodies, your emotions, your relationships, and your circumstances. But if you choose to walk the way the rest of the world does, you will not be immune from the world's diseases. And sometimes that's what we do. We live like the world and we think, well, why do I have all the problems of the world? God has a bigger plan if we're willing to follow, if we're willing to listen. Jesus healed impossible medical diseases, lepers. He healed ten of them. Uh, he proved he had power of muscular and nerve disease. He healed paralytics. He healed a man with a withered hand. He healed a woman who had the issue with blood. He gave sight to the blind and he healed the deaf. He raised the dead. He can heal relationships and marriages and homes and families and churches. And he can heal our nation. If we'll humble ourselves 
and pray and do what He calls us and guides us to do. Don't want to get into a political discussion, but if I may say and warn you, church, in this political season and in this season of unrest where it seems like weekly and almost daily now we're starting to hear of another bomb or another terror attack on the same vein, all the political stuff, this world and this nation will not change until this church and the people of God get on their knees in prayer. And we can try to put together programs and do all that, but I'll tell you, until you start doing it in your prayer closet, no program is going to help you here at church. And I warn you, be careful about your Facebook posts and all that. Point people to Jehovah Rapha, the healer. He's the one that heals. He's the one that restores. He's the one that comforts. He's the one that can heal the land that we're in, that we're living in today. John 10.10 says, I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. That's the desire of God, that we have life and have it more abundantly. He can do that. If you want an abundant life, then we need to live an obedient life and trust the sovereignty of God to say, you're in charge and I'll be obedient. And in our obedience, abundance can come. And it doesn't mean maybe all your pain, all your healing be gone. It means he'll see you through it. He'll carry you through it. We need to live God's way. Do you know him as your healer? Do you know God is Jehovah Rapha? Healing will not always come in the way you pray for it, in the way you expect it, but God is healer. He may not heal all your illness just the way you want, but he will always, he is always at work bringing healing into our lives. And helping us to walk through this life on this earth that is broken and falling apart. He helped us walk through until the day that we're completely healed in eternity. Bow your heads in prayer with me. Father God, thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are healer. I want to ask you if you will, if you can, get on your knees with me right now. If you're able and willing. God, getting on our knees is just an act of humility. It's an act of us, Father, saying, you're sovereign, you're in charge, and we're not. It's an act of saying, Lord, you are our commander and our chief. You are, you are our protector. You are our healer. I want to ask you just for a moment. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I just felt like God was saying, get on our knees. What is it that you need to lay at his feet right now? What are you hurting from? What's bothering you? What has your mind consumed? What's hurting your body? What is it you need to talk to God and say, God, I need your healing in this area? God, will you open our eyes to see how you're working in our lives? Sometimes, Lord, we're praying for an affliction to be away, and you're seeing us through that and showing us healing in a different way, but we're not seeing it. Open our eyes to see, Lord, how you're healing. Open our eyes to see how you're working. Oh, will you pray for this country? God, this country needs healing. Lord, this country has moved so far away from the principles of God and Lord, I remember in Chronicles, you told the nation there, if you will humble yourself and you repent of your sin 
and you'll, and you'll get on your knees in humble repentance, Lord, that you will heal their land. And Lord, we need that. Lord, would you help this nation to repent of being a nation that's moved so far away from God. God, we need your healing in this world where there is wars and rumors of war continually. Where there's more bombings and there's more attacks and there's more acts of evil. God, we need your healing. Father, I pray that when we're walking through the junk of life and you show us through, Lord, I pray we celebrate, celebrate you just like we saw the Israelites do honor you and praise you and worship you. And Father, I pray that when we're in our desert spots, that we don't grumble and complain, that we look and say, God is sovereign, He's almighty, He's Jehovah Rapha, and Lord, that we grab onto you and we trust you. And we trust for your sovereignty to be in charge. And so Father, we honor you and we worship you this morning. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we celebrate Jesus in, in this service in our communion time. Thank you for healing us of our sin problem and giving us Jesus. And he died on a cross so that our sin would be wiped away in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.